All right. Okay. Welcome, guys. This is the first episode to a new LinkedIn series that I'm doing where I'm going to interview some entrepreneur friends of mine, just like Harris here. Um, I still haven't really figured out what the format is going to be, as this is the first one. So this is going to be pretty uncut. Um, but I promise the more I'll do these, the more we'll follow like a good structure. Uh, so Harris here, he does copywriting, branding, and he's also creative director. Uh, he's worked with companies like Lavazza in Lithuania um, and a lot of other massive listed companies. And he has a lot of experience in probably all of the creative sides of marketing. Uh, he's a really good person for anything to do with marketing, branding a product, positioning. Uh, for me, he encapsulates what marketing is. Uh, he really does live and breathe it. Um, and it struck me upon you know, meeting him for this first time. Cause we actually, we actually have a quite recent friendship. Uh, now we've been yeah. working on a few projects, but, uh, definitely one of the things that struck me most about Harris was his just immediate, uh, ability to come up with ideas, uh, just on the spot and really know how to position a project, a, a product by specifically by knowing who you're selling it to. Uh, so that was something that was really interesting to me. And probably one of the reasons why I did want him to have him, I did want him to come on to this uh, series just because I think he could help out a lot of business owners out there who don't know what they're doing. Um, so yeah, so welcome Harris and thank you so much. Hola, it's such a nice introduction. Like I couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> yeah, so name's Harold and I work in branding. That's yeah. all. So yeah, so as I said, I just kind of want to sit down with you now and, and you know, ask you some questions about your, your career thus far, you know, uh, the start of it. Uh, the current situation and you know any tips advice you know just we'll it's very informal we'll just have a conversation and see if there's any good advice we can give out there to people um so yeah so like just start off just hit the nail on the head um how do you get clients as a copywriting and branding agency this question sure. actually comes from one of my followers on instagram so that's this question comes from nazif n i don't know what his last name is, but Nazif N. So he asked, yeah, how do you get clients for copywriting and branding agents? I'll start with a bit of a background. The thing with working in marketing generally is you do not have any running costs. You do not have to manufacture a product. Mm -hmm. You do not have to run, like even running ads, it's not necessary. You can mm -hmm. uh, absolutely bootstrap it without any cost. Therefore, the thing with, get with getting clients is, uh, do take into, into account, you're gonna have a lot of rejections but yep. in due time you'll land someone uh, mm -hmm. so that's that's how it was for me uh how i started was uh i actually participated in an advertising con uh, competition uh, where after which i found that what i've been doing in e-commerce uh, and writing for products was actually considered copywriting at first i didn't even oh. know what it was and then after that uh, advertising contest, uh, I started writing blog posts on how to write, how to sell the writing, how it, uh, how it mixes with uh, psychology, uh, psychology and consumer behavior. And a few blog posts into, into this writing. Uh, I, used to did, I used to do them every week. And then after maybe like four or five blog posts, uh, a marketing agency hit me up with a call uh, asking me if I could be a copywriter for a new client of theirs because that client oh. was in the pharmaceutical in industry and they had the background myself with trying to establish a pharmaceutical 
startup. Uh, right. so it was like it was somewhat and friends of mine recommending me. How long was it between me. between when you started, uh, you know, writing these blog posts and then actually getting hit up by a marketing agency? Uh, a month or two, somewhere in between a month or two. But the thing is, uh, they did not hire me. Like we ha- we sat down at the, at, the, at the table to discuss terms, and they did not hire me, which was. Uh, which was a failure on my side because I asked for way too much. So the first uh-huh. thing is when you're starting, you cannot ask the normal rate that is the yeah. market rate. Uh, so I asked for too much. Uh, I was not hired. And then a month or so after they referred me to a friend of theirs who was starting a company and hired me to come up with a brand name and a slogan and a positioning statement for that brand. Mm-hmm. After that, we rolled out with his uh, website positioning. He referred me to a friend of his, that friend referred me to a friend of his, and that's how the ball started rolling with me working in branding. So do you see referrals as a main way of getting clients? Is that one of, is that, has that been the most successful strategy for you thus far? For me, yes. But generally, uh, generally what you need to understand is with any work that's client oriented, you have basically two ways. One is do a lot of work for free then do it more expensively, more expensively, more mm-hmm. expensively, and you gradually, gradually build up yeah. or build up a for- portfolio either from your own work for yourself or from a few friend pro- projects or client projects, newbie, intro projects, build up a, a portfolio, raise up your price to one that would symbolize a high quality of work, uh, land clients, you, you will land less clients, but the thing is, uh, because you'll pay, you, you, you will be paid more, you will have the time to actually deliver better results. Yep. Therefore, you will have the time to push yourself into delivering a market-leading quality of work. And the yeah. quality of work is basically the de- determining factor whether you're going to get more clients or not. If you deliver to your first clients, you're going to be well off. If not, then you're basically done in this business. Mm. Uh, but I, what I want to say is... Uh, in terms of getting clients is even though I was referred at first, you do not have that many companies referring you to that many mm. CEOs. Therefore, yeah. you cannot make a proper living. So what I used to do uh, in the beginning was I hit up company owners after looking up at their website and then I critiqued uh, the things that they did in a bad way on their websites in terms of positioning, converting, and etc. And Critiquing used to piss some of the CEOs yeah. off yeah, and yeah, turn yeah, them yeah. against me. But for some, it was it was the thing that oh damn, I did not realize that mm-hmm. maybe this guy can actually help me. So mm-hmm. my tactic was, yeah, basically, somewhat getting in touch, attacking what they're doing, uh, pointing out the negatives, and mm-hmm. saying how that could be improved. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I just jumped on a call. To discuss just, just going back to the latter you mentioned about you know low price higher price as your expertise comes yeah you know, grows with you what do you think of free trials um because a lot of business of- owners they always especially when they don't have a lot of trust in your service they always go for that okay we'll do a month-long free trial um and then we'll talk about it and then we'll see what do you what, what do you think of that do you think that's a good way to i mean do you think it do you think it even just sets the dynamic right between you and the client moving forward, even if you were to then get on a client, get like, get actually sign on? Or do you think it still leaves you in, in, a, in a sour spot between the relationship? So the thing is, 
what we're working with, me, you, everyone we know in the marketing industry is we're working, we're working with the way people behave, think, mm -hmm. and generally consumer behavior. What the studies of consumer behavior suggest is that people do not value the things they get for free. Therefore, mm -hmm. uh, looking at that, we could theorize that a free trial means your services will not be valued. Yep. Uh, from that perspective, I would suggest not to do a free trial. Uh, there, there is this thing called the $1 marketing tactic. Maybe, maybe the name is different, but the yeah. idea is offering your services like a consultation. Uh, for example, a one-hour consultation for a dollar. And then any client, even if he's not interested into, you, into your, into your uh, services, uh, He's, he's not risking much by paying you a dollar yep. for an hour's worth of consulting. Uh, in this case, and then there's another point uh, which comes into play here is that if they've paid you at least a dollar, they have already purchased you as a, as a business, basically, yep. Uh, yep. and your services. So they're more likely to accept an offer that you present to them. Uh, therefore, mm -hmm. from this, I would say, do not do free trials. Get paid at least... $1. Even if, if it's a dollar, that's something. Uh, I myself have never engaged in free trials. Uh, yeah. with, some, with some branding projects, you have to give ideas of yeah. like how the end product uh, might look. So that's what I do. You come up with mm -hmm. ideas and you, and you elaborate on them, essentially signaling your credibility. But it's not that you do the work, the actual work for free. Yeah. That's never a condition and... If we look at the industry giants such as David Ogilvy, for example, he's always said that he built uh, one of the biggest advertising agencies in the history of mankind in possibly the shortest time frame. And his school of thought says that while others were doing mock-up ads for clients in terms of pitching, he was always presenting uh, his team and their expertise instead mm -hmm. of with some clients, he did provide the free trials, but that, those were exceptional cases. His general trend was just presenting himself as a professional. If people, yep. generally saying, if people, uh, are, if people like what you are as a person, then they're the, the right ones to get into business with. Yep. If yep. not, yep. then yep. a free trial is not worth it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think you, if there isn't that, you know, synergy between you and a client, um, even in just a sales call or the discovery call, um, you just know it's going to be a nightmare client uh, yeah. to then move forward with. I think one of the most important things is to actually find that relationship between you and the person you're going to be doing work with in a, you know, it, it's the issue with when you're, when you're hiring services, um, I think people tend to see you as they, they immediately like business owners immediately see you as an employee. Um, yeah. which you aren't in, 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 in some way you're a partner to their company. Um, you know, you're helping them grow, but they view you as an employee, which can have an effect on how then you get treated within the relationship. Um, you know, I think there's, there's boundaries that need to be set. Um, like one, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I've noticed this in the past where clients tried to contact you during non-work hours. Yeah. Um, which can be, you know, we work online, so it's easy for a client just to message you on Slack or on WhatsApp or email. Uh, and they'll know you're going to be on the other side of the line uh, because, you know, 
we're young. We're always on our phones. We're always on our desktops, laptops. So they yeah. know they can reach us. But I think there has to be some sort of boundary where it's, there are rules set in place where a client can't reach you, uh, you know, through WhatsApp. That's another thing. I think, I think it's, it's fine at the start when you're still trying to get to ter- on, on terms, you know, because each time you onboard a client or you start a new project, there's a lot of things that need to be ironed out yeah. that need that fast paced reply, which I think WhatsApp is fine. Uh, but then after, you know, a month of working together where, you know, realistically, you don't need to ask them anymore what the password to their, let's say, MailChimp is, whatever it is. Um, I think that's when, you know, you have to start setting actual physical rules where it's like, okay, no, I will, me and the team will only answer on Slack or, or something else like that. Um, I don't know. Uh, what- I'll get back to a point you, mess- you mentioned earlier, which is that uh, the business owner hiring you might view you as an employee and an, and mm-hmm. as an employee. The thing is, uh, taking it to like a branding position in terms of like how we must behave as agency owners, as freelancers, as whatever, whatnot, is we need to position ourselves as business owners as well that come into mm-hmm. their business as a partner. We do not mm-hmm. come into mm-hmm. their business as an employee. What we're doing is we ourselves have built businesses of our own. We ourselves have, have established a brand of our own. We know what works in terms of what we're doing, what does not work. So we have a whole baggage of expertise that yeah. supplements the expertise that they have uh, and ours and their expertise mixes up to produce great results that raise their sales, which is what's important. And they yep. need to understand that. So you need to communicate that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of beginners do. Uh, especially that's why probably a lot of beginners tend to go for free trials in the first place. Um, you know, because they don't, you know, it's, it's imposter syndrome. You don't feel like you belong and you yeah. don't feel like what you're doing is worth your value. And I think that's probably, I think it, once you've nailed that mindset, you can go very far, very quickly. Um, I agree. But I think it's an, it's an important thing. It's an important mindset that you need to kind of get grips with at the start. Um, but yeah, just going, you know, looking back at the start of your career, what's the, like, what's probably one thing you wish you knew and your biggest regret uh, till now. So start looking at the start and now looking at the end. Uh, this is a good but a, a difficult question. Um, okay. I would say that a regret I do have definitely is what we tend to do as humans uh, is for my people who love reading, read up on the book uh, Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. What, mm-hmm. it, what it supposes as one of the laws of human nature is that we tend to fall into short-sightedness. Uh, we tend to look only at the things which are happening right in front of us at that moment without necessarily thinking of the long-term consequences of what we're doing. Therefore, uh, take for example, we, got, we have client A and client B. Client A is paying us a thousand today. Client B is paying, paying us 300 today. But mm-hmm. client B, for example, has the potential to, if we succeed, mm-hmm. hire us for five more yeah. projects, uh, paying 5,000 each. So mm-hmm. uh, what I've definitely, definitely done in my beginnings is I did not really consider the potential of a client that I may have signed yeah. and which cost me business. I have worked, uh, I do to, to this day in my portfolio, 
uh, with the people whom I work with, we, we still work with one of the biggest names in, in my country, but at the same time in my history, I have one of the biggest names in my country that I have uh, lost after a single project, even though it could have turned into a, a long-term partnership because yep. I prioritized a project that at that time paid more. Mm. So that's definitely mm-hmm. a mistake. Uh, what you need to, to do every single time is you need to evaluate the actual potential of an account yep. and where it might be headed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, important. I think seeing longevity within partnerships is extremely, extremely important. Um, I think I've always, you know, I've always benefited and always thought that along growing with 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 an account is much better than signing them for three months. You know, doing mediocre work for them to fall off but then you take three months of money uh, i think it's yeah. always better to to look for partnerships where you can get to you know a year and two year and three year and um, and yeah, i think that's how um, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna reveal reveal to the audience that uh, that we may have uh the things we have discussed in private which mm-hmm. is uh that in the sphere in which we work in it's only so much that you can actually earn if you do like either recurring uh recurring projects or one-offs you can only get paid so much however if you sign someone who becomes your actual partner a company Mm -hmm. who can grow together with you yeah uh in a year's time in two years time you can actually get into equity deals or Mm -hmm. at least have established uh revenue share deals that pay off way more and you share the success instead of working, for exactly. example, for exactly. three months with a brand that for the time being is paying you. But then how, what, what are you going to do in a time of three years? You're still going to be in the same spot. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. And let's move on to something a little bit more different. Um, yeah. You know, let's take it actually from the perspective of business owners. So if you were a business owner today with this whole yeah. coronavirus situation, and yeah, like what's, what's probably the best message you can give them or best advice to get their message out or how should they be positioning themselves? Um, what can they really be doing from a copywriting <clears throat> branding perspective to help them most in this, you know, certain time? So uh, the thing that's important right now is every business needs to show to their audience that we're still here, we're still mm-hmm. alive and we're still serving you. That's the key message that we need to portray throughout all of our social media ads, if they're still running them, et cetera, et cetera. However, we need to differentiate that message in terms of the business we're looking at. So for example, if we we have businesses with expensive products, such as car manufacturers and dealers, real estate developers, we need, in terms of them, we need to show that have your confidence in us. It's a, it's a short-term, uh, it's a short-term destabilization in the market. We, we are prepared to it. We're going to handle it. And your money is safe with us, especially if, if customers have put, uh, put down down payments and are waiting for the real estate to be developed or a car to be delivered. They need to know that they're secured. These brands need to take the time to communicate that and communicate that clearly. Uh, what so what the customers what actual yeah. ways would you want like would you say through the social medias um through emailing list like what's some like actual actionable tips you can give them right now that they can you know just go and implement 
So um, what we haven't mentioned yet is, uh, yet is that I work as a head of marketing for a real estate developer development agency. And the thing is, we're dealing with large and expensive investments. Yeah. Where one of my strategies in this case is, uh, I, I wrote up a transcript for our CEO, uh, which is the calming words that need to be portrayed. Mm -hmm. And our CEO is going to film herself in front of a camera, just plain camera, you know, nothing too fancy mm -hmm. talking. Like we talk here, just maybe like yep. on a sofa painted grayscale so that she looks better in terms of aesthetics. And then she's just going to talk like be transparent. Yeah. Yes, this was not predicted, but we are prepared for it. We are a company mm -hmm. you have, you can trust. We have numbers of experience, uh, experience. This is not the first financial crisis that yeah. we're seeing and we know how to act in times such as this. That's the mm -hmm. message that we're portraying in terms of the outlets in which to, co to communicate your messages to is, if you're a big brand, say for example, a BMW size of brand or Volkswagen, whatever, you need to utilize PR, public relations, uh, and talk on big media outlets. However, if, if you're a smaller business, that might not be, uh, I mean, you might not get into contact with, with yeah. the outlets. So use, use whatever, uh, whatever means of touch points you have with your mm -hmm. audience. If you have email lists, email them. If you have social medias, communicate for social media. And then moving on to e-commerce brands, for example, e-commerce brands just need to show, e-commerce brands must not use the words COVID-19 and coronavirus mm -hmm. in terms of their positioning because those are negative words. Negative yeah. words never sell. With, uh, for example, if you're saying our, uh, our skin oil contains no arsenic, what the customer is hearing it's, it's a negative statement. You're saying yeah. that you do not, do not have it. But what the customer might perceive it as is our skin oil per, uh, has arsenic, which is the negative. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if you're using the words COVID-19 and coronavirus in your communication, in your positioning, that's actually a negative. So what you need to do is you, you need to use words like stay at home, work, work from home, position mm -hmm. your, uh, yourself in terms of having more people, having more time for, them, for themselves, and then link that to your brand. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. I completely agree. Uh, just uh, adding on what what you said, it's the. I think it's for any business owners who are listening to this right now, one hundred percent. Just be as active as possible. Just be out there. Just shout on every contact point you have, because uh, a lot of people do. Their expectation is you're closed. Um, that you're not doing orders anymore. That anything, any money they give you, they're not gonna like, see back in any type of value. That's completely not true. Well, depending on your business, but you want to be, especially e-commerce where most of them are still functioning. Um, and you know, we live in, well, right now we're in a period where there's never been so many people on their phones, on their laptops. You have to be active. Uh, you need to be selling as much as, as much as you can right now. Um, yeah. so yeah, so I completely agree. Completely and agree. I might raise a topic for discussion right here in this, mm. uh, which is, I, I want your take on this as well, but well, some pro some products are not adapted to the digital landscape. Some people will not be able to immediately make the transition, make the make the leap. So, from my point of view, I would say this: that whatever you're doing, whatever you're selling, you need to have four elements that you pay attention to. One is right now looking at the current situation. What is the problem, the pain that your customers are having? That's the first one. The second one is what's your solution, possible solution to the problem, to the pain. 
The third one is what are the possible objections that they may, they may have towards buying your solution. And then the fourth one is how do you counter those objections? So you know, mm -hmm. once you know the pains, the problems, once you know your solution, the possible objections, and once you counter them, that's how you make the sale. Because people, people fear uh, and do not buy if they do not know all of the details. The more they know, the more they're likely to buy. So whatever you're, tra you're transitioning into, into what it is right now, you need to keep those into account. Well, what about um, taking into account businesses? Um, I mean, I can't say this online, but I, meant, I, told, <laughs> I called you yesterday about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do, you, what do you think about businesses that, you know, work exclusively with people um, and need that physical contact and that's the main service they sell? What do you, I mean, what other op options do you think they have to sort of kind of just survive or, or be able to have a, a stream of income that lets them, you know, m just get through this period of time and then to pick up again? Um, so, you know. The thing is... Uh there are of course businesses that are not able to immediately adapt and mm -hmm. this is this is the most difficult situation inevitably we will have some bankruptcies in the mm -hmm. market throughout what's, what whatever is happening what i would say is take for example uh take for example a beauty salon yeah they're providing makeup services etc etc they cannot do that during a time of yeah. quarantine what they can do is usually those places might have product offerings as well, mm -hmm. like makeup, whatever that they can sell digitally. Yep. So if they have uh, a product they can sell, definitely yep. do sell that. If not, we can look at things like uh, look at things like sponsorships, pl platforms that accept people sponsoring your business. So you could be transparent. Transparency yep. always sells. I cannot yep. stress this enough, but transparency works so well in terms of selling. So what you could do is you could communicate that to your audience. You could be like, you know what's happening right now. And I must admit that for our business, it's not mm. the, the best mm -hmm. of times. And we need your support. We need your help to still be there once this yeah. is over. And then ask for maybe like set, set up a platform. There are many uh, platforms like Gumroad and... Uh, not not Periscope. I've I've remember I forgot what, how, even how even just it. even just PayPal. I mean, yeah, a small business. If you're just a small business and you know you do, let's say you just a restaurant and you're saying we need to stay afloat. Even just sending. Actually, I think I saw this on the internet. Just sending a text, um, yeah. you know, to to your customers and be like, hey, like you know, we appreciate you. You're such loyal customers. Oh, you know, we really need some money. If you could, we our delivery service is still open please you know if you could buy like have a dinner here's a 10 percent discount to have dinner with your family from us something like that yeah yeah jumping into that with, with a creative idea well for example uh some restaurants that are like michelin star restaurants they may not be able to offer takeout food deliveries and stuff so their cash flow is dead completely yeah. what i would do in terms of a restaurant like that is i would be transparent and uh, you can, anyone listening can mimic my words if they're in that situation, but try getting into contact with your customer is, uh, and customers and then saying something like, you know, we love food and you know that we love mm -hmm. making food for you. However, what I must say is that these frankly are shitty times for our business 
and we are afraid that we may not be able to make the precious food that we've been making for you after yeah. this thing ends. Uh, and if you would be so kind to, I know this sounds ridiculous, taking into account that we're a Michelin star restaurant, but you know, shit happens. If you sent us a dollar, we'd love you. We'd give you a free dessert the next time we see you around and mm. hopefully we'll get through this together. Translate a message like that, it will sell. I can vouch yeah. on it, it will sell. I think another good um, selling point that the, like this is going to end uh, eventually. Yeah. Um, so I think also working on that saying like, like kind of what you just said. So like, oh, when we do get back to business, we'll offer you a free ice cream if you buy our meal or if you donate some money to us, something like that. So I think that's also a really good point. Or even if you can, like I know a lot of, if, like if you're a travel agent, say like, do you want to yeah. purchase, you know, a trip for next year? Something like that. So try and seeing if you, there are services you can do um, that won't be affected by the virus. I mean, in a year's time, who actually knows what's going to happen? But you, you'd, you'd think that, you know, travel would, would be a thing again and, and yeah. people could start moving around. So even that, you know, thinking of the long term rather than focusing on, on the short term is also something that could benefit a lot of businesses out there. So if you're a business owner, I hope you did get some sort of value from that. Um, and I do want to see seeing, I do want to see these, um, you know, these, these cells coming through. Uh, there's um, also one, one point that we can add is that for most businesses, the customers have no uh, chance of actually reaching the CEO that's behind the business. Even yeah. though people are interested in the CEOs and why they establish those businesses, why they're running it. For example, for coffee shops that make coffee, uh, I've worked with one of, one of the, the biggest brands of coffee houses back in Lithuania. And the thing is that that person, the CEO, is super interesting in terms of like how much he's educated on coffee. and the things he knows would interest people. What mm -hmm. he can do is he can actually offer, he can do one Facebook live for free and then he can be, uh, give as much value on coffee as possible. And then, and then he can be like, well, since we're all in a time of quarantine and we have nothing to do but sit at our homes, I'm going to do a daily class on coffee. If you want to join, mm -hmm. it's $5 per week. Uh, this is the yep. link where you can sign up and just do that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Also, it's it's such a good opportunity to focus on your socials if you are a business. Yeah. Um, you know, you really I mean, first of all, I think every business in today in age, well, today should be on social media active. Yeah, definitely. And growing their social media as much as possible because one, you know, they they work a social proof, so if, if someone does hear about your company through whether you're actually doing paid traffic or just from a referral and they go onto your socials and you do have a following well-kept Instagram, well-kept uh, Facebook, whatever it is, um, it does play a massive role in how the potential customer sees your, your, your business, um, which then can turn them into a consumer. So that's definitely something you should be focusing on. Like even like just as an example, like if you, let's say you're a barber's right or a beauty salon, yeah, uh, just start giving daily tips on hair care, skin care, um, start giving, yeah. Or if you're a gym, start putting out every day, free content on free workouts at home, something like that. Just keeping, um, first of all, it keeps your consumers engaged and second of all, it grows it because you'll get more exposure from it. Um, yeah. And I did a webinar the other day where someone from the audience asked me, well, so many gym coaches, uh, trainers are now doing free classes online. 
how are they gonna still have business once this is over? Because mm -hmm. they will have the uh, the information available for free online. Why would they then go to the gym if they can just work out mm -hmm. at home? The thing is that not all people, uh, all people are different. Not all mm -hmm. people will like staying at home and working out at home. Yeah. Some will want to go to the gyms. But what what's the benefit that you're gaining is if you've shown credibility, you've accessed humongous new audiences because of digital. Yeah. And they're going to be interested in your services. And someone who would have probably not even heard of you, they're going to, now they now they know you. Now yeah. they know that you're a good personal yeah. trainer and they want your services once this is yeah. over. Yep, 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 yep. So going back to you as a marketeer, um, what's the process you follow uh, when it comes to creative creativeness? As in, you know, you have to, especially when it comes to new industries that you don't really know much about, um, yeah. and, and you have to write about, let's say like maternity, right? How would you approach writing a blog post about maternity uh, and pregnancy care? Something like that. Something that's really foreign to you. At least I believe it's foreign. I might be completely wrong. But, um, <laughs> no, that's yeah. an industry I definitely haven't worked with. Is So the first thing is what I do is that I send a creative brief to my clients. Every time I jump on a, uh, on a project, I have a creative brief where I get to know the house, the whys, and all of the background to what their business is about. We nail down their audience, as I mentioned, the problem, pain, solution, objections. How do you counter those objections? We, we nail all of those down. We nail down the, uh, uh, the ways that in which the audience behaves. For example, if, if they shop at uh, Selfridges or do they shop, I don't know, ASOS, whatever, whatnot, to kind of know what's the thinking inside inside their brains and uh, we then adapt the tone of voice and then we look at research for example what does what does research research and statistics say about what are the maternity problems that you may encounter when maybe i don't know expecting a baby what are uh generally the more you know about your audience before starting a project, the, bet the better will be the result because then you can tailor your message to the exact audience. And yeah. that's what I do. My work is basically tailoring a brand and their character and their audience to a, a certain, uh, and their message to a certain audience. So, so yeah, I, I would basically nail down the audience and then adapt my message to the way that they speak in terms of the relevant things that they speak. Mm -hmm. uh, what, the fastest way to do that is I know everyone who's ever come into contact with copywriting knows the thing called co copy mining, which is basically looking up reviews and then mimicking what they say in your positioning. Uh, but that's yeah. a very, that's a very basic technique. It's going to get you somewhere. It's going to make you sell, but I've, I don't know. I follow a different school of thought and I kind of yeah. despised copy mining because that's the entrance level. That's something that anyone can do. And that's something that if you want to really differentiate and get into the brains of your audience, that's not going to help you. Yeah. You need to follow the research. So for example, taking back to real estate, real estate developers are homogenous. Most of them, what we're doing in terms of our positioning is we nail down what's the, there's this concept called the climate, uh, the emotional climate of uh, residential real estate. And you nail down what are the actual things that, make us tick? What are the things yeah. that make us either happy or depressed in terms of our homes? And you alter, you alter your positioning to represent those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that just kind of 
came to my mind. Uh, how do you, because obviously copywriting, you're, you're selling a product, right? Yeah. But like the relationship between the person who created the product and the product itself is quite an intimate relationship. Yeah. Um, and so some, some could say that copywriting is quite an intimate thing. You know, if, if you're trying to sell a product that the person who created knows best. So how, how, how do you mimic, is there anything you do to mimic as much as possible the, the thought process of the owner with creating the product? I think that's something that just came to my mind. I don't know if that's a, it's a profit, like something you go through, um, you know, like approaching the product from the owner's perspective and what he'd want to sell it as. Because I feel like, you know, if I was a business owner and did ask someone to come in to sell my product for me, I would feel a sort of just kind of, you know, like, is he going to sell it how I would want to sell it? Do you know what I mean? Like, because obviously copywriting, you're giving it a personality. You're giving the product a personality. So how do you kind of go about that? Do you, do you speak to the owners? Do you, like, is there any process there or is it just, you know? Yeah, so I'm kind, of, I'm kind of blessed in the way of how my work is conducted is I get to meet a lot of CEOs. So I get to learn mm -hmm. from them. But the, the thing is why people hire marketing agencies, advertising agencies, branding agencies, whatnot, is these people always have fresh eyes on your product. Mm -hmm. You as a business owner have it too in your relationship with, with your product is too intimate for it mm -hmm. to sell to your audience. Your audience does not think they do not act in the same way that you do. Therefore, mm -hmm. you might know and communicate things yourself that the audience would not have even thought of uh, in the first place. For example, and the problem with this is brands usually start using business jargon that is usual to, to their industry. But to the normal day-to-day -day consumer, that yeah, jargon, yeah. he does not understand that. He does not speak yeah, yeah. that language. And in most cases, what I've seen is that uh, once I have a fresh perspective, like the first few days in which I get to know the brand is the way I perceived it. If later, after like a month of doing the project uh, or two weeks or whatever, if I can translate all of my background that I've learned in the meantime into the simple language at which I understood the brand in the first few days, that's going to sell the most. Because uh, yeah. you need to, this is of course, like we have two ends of extremes, not understanding anything about the product and being on the owner spectrum of a product. Yeah. Uh, so you, you kind of need to be in between in the middle, mm. maybe more on the lower end because you need to, what you say is more important than how you say it. Yeah. Uh, and you need, to, you, need, you need to display, whenever you're selling, you need to display the qualities, unique selling points that your product has. So you need to understand them. But for example, if you're selling an SAS product and if you're talking on the owner's perspective of this does this and that, all technician mm. stuff, your audience is not going to understand that. Your audience, for example, uh, wants a CRM that's a uh, customer relations manager that's simple to use, uh, simple to follow sales, to track your prog progress, et cetera, et cetera. They want you to communicate that. So that mm -hmm. you cannot communicate the technicalities on how it's, how it's supported, et cetera, et cetera. For example, even with online banking, what we as young consumers, as millennials, uh, whatever uh, we want of online banking is fast exchange rates uh, that are not costly. We want no hassle uh, usage. Uh, we want uh, no hidden fees, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. That's the messages that we want to hear. That's the messages that branding marketing agencies and copywriters need to portray. Whereas the business owner might be saying like, also, you know, 
uh, at the time we store our money in a this and that government protected account. Mm -hmm. The customer does not want to hear that. What he wants yeah. to hear is that his money is secure with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a really good point. Um, and I think that ties in, you know, I think the I think we, we're about to reach the one hour mark. So I want to I want to end it here. Um, I was telling Harris I wanted to do this 30 minutes long. So we did <laughs> 30 minutes a little too long. But um, well, uh, yeah, to, so, yeah, 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 hopefully. So I think it's a good place to end it. Um, is there any last remarks you want to make to the audience or anything like that? Um, who might be listening, well, any business owners, something like that. We're all marketers right here, right? Mm. So in case you want someone to write goddamn good shit that sells for you, get in touch. <laughs> I'm your guy. Perfect, perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Harris. Um, thank you, I'll speak Philippa. to you soon. Yeah. No worries. No worries. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have you back on uh, sometime yeah. soon. Yeah. Yeah. See ya. Bye-bye.